what was so surprising to me is that while it did feel intimidating to me as well, like you mentioned, it wasn't that challenging once I got started. In fact, it made my mornings much easier. I was saving a ton of time, um, money, and attention that previously had been diverted to clothes and fashion. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Today's episode of Spark Joy is part two of a three-part series dedicated to closet joy. We're talking to three guests who are revolutionizing the way we view fashion and style. We're going to learn how to be more with less from one of the minimalism movement's veterans, Courtney Carver. Courtney changed her life by simplifying it after a devastating diagnosis in 2006. She's the founder of BeMoreWithLess.com and the Minimalist Fashion Challenge Project 333. Her new book, Soulful Simplicity, published by Penguin Random House, shows us the power of simplicity to improve our health, build more meaningful relationships, and relieve stress in our professional and personal lives. Welcome to Spark Joy, Courtney. Hi there. Welcome. Thanks for having me today. It's our pleasure. Your story and journey to a simpler way of life, it's truly fascinating. I first heard your story when you were featured in the documentary Minimalism, a documentary about important things. Your journey really stuck with me because of how dramatically the act of simplifying your wardrobe impacted your life, particularly your health. Can you walk us through that experience for our listeners who may not be familiar with your background? Sure. Well, the the health scare is what really got me interested in not simplicity at first, but reducing stress in my life. And it all started in 2006 when I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And prior to that, I was living what I consider kind of the typical American dream life, uh, spending more than I made, uh, deep in debt, working way too many hours, uh, always feeling uh, like I was coming up a little bit short in every area of my life, whether it be energy, money, time, you know, I was always trying to catch up and go, go, go. And maybe that wasn't normal, but it seemed like it was. Uh, definitely the people around me were all in the same boat. And this diagnosis was kind of my uh, wake up call and permission to say, wait a minute, maybe things aren't working like they're supposed to. Like, why am I sick? Why am I run down? And what can I do to live well, not only with MS, but in, in my life, what can I do to get my life back? And that's when I started to um, understand the implications of stress on our health and our relationships and started looking at ways to, to reduce it uh, and eliminate it in many cases. And while it didn't start in my wardrobe, in my closet, uh, that definitely probably had the biggest impact uh, in terms of just I mean, changing my mornings, my spending habits, my relationship with stuff, it revolutionized the way I thought about many, many things. 
coming from that experience, which is just simply amazing to have gone through that and to have turned it into such a positive thing, you created this fashion challenge. And the fashion challenge is called Project 333. And it's basically a project that invites people to dress with 33 items or less for a period of three months. And to tell you the truth, I think that that's amazing, but I would be so intimidated. I don't know that I could actually do that. Can you tell us how this works and tell us a little bit about the the concept of a capsule wardrobe? And how do you suggest someone who loves clothes begin to walk in this direction? I started this as a personal challenge back in 2010 because I was really frustrated that my closet was so out of control and nothing I ever owned seemed to ever quote unquote, complete my wardrobe as I hoped it would, or add any kind of value to my life or long lasting meaning or happiness. I realized I didn't know what enough was for my closet and my wardrobe. And so I decided to experiment and I made a set of rules um, where for three months I would dress with 33 items, including clothes, shoes, jewelry, and accessories not including things like underwear or sleepwear or workout clothes, Mm -hmm. but your workout clothes have to work out. So no, like just wearing your yoga pants to the bank, they have to actually be going to yoga if you don't want to count them in your 33 items. What was so surprising to me is that while it did feel intimidating to me as well, like you mentioned, it wasn't that challenging once I got started. In fact, it made my mornings much easier I was saving a ton of time, um, money, and attention that previously had been diverted to clothes and fashion. And I used to say things like, I love shopping, I love clothes, I love these shoes, you know, kind of like you asked, you know, what if you love shopping? But the truth of the matter was, I didn't know what I loved. I was so overwhelmed with everything that I had going on that I was just responding to everything that was thrown in my direction. I was on autopilot. And what I loved about shopping was not actually shopping, but easing the the pain of the day or the week. So when I say pain, I mean like the boredom or being frustrated with my job or feeling down, whatever it was, I wanted to ease that pain. And for me, that outlet was buying new fun things for my closet. I think it's interesting how you said you didn't know what you loved. And I think a lot of those who are processing their clothes through the vehicle of Kamari and minimalism as well, like may run into that situation where they have an abundance of clothing, but when they truly look at it, they might say, oh, nothing sparks joy. But I think that's a really important lesson. Yeah. And kind of two parts to that. You know, one is I said I loved shopping, but really I didn't love shopping. I also thought, you know, as I brought new pieces in, oh, I love this. I love this. I love this. Talking about my clothes, but because I had so many different styles and pieces and had never done a lot of letting go of, of items there. I didn't know what my own style was. I didn't know what I enjoyed wearing. I didn't know what really fit my body or my lifestyle. So mm-hmm. by immediately uh, narrowing it down to a handful of items, you learn really quickly what you like and don't like and what you wear and don't wear because 
even more surprisingly, even if you only have a handful of items, you're still wearing your favorites. So there could be a couple of pieces that never get worn in those three months. I really like the the phrase that you used, um, responsive shopping, because I've never heard it put that way, but that makes so much sense. I, I know for myself that at least in the old days, my eyes would get drawn all over the store and, you know, whatever little shiny object I saw that, you know, looked like something that might be fun to wear or, you know, was different. That's where my attention would go, which really didn't necessarily have anything to do with what I liked. It was just something that just caught my eye. So I think that's a great phrase. Were you aware of that before you began the challenge for yourself or was that something that you learned as you began this process? It really came from the challenge that I began to assess my shopping habits and understand that I was rarely shopping for things that I needed, especially when it came to clothes. It was usually, you know, I just wanted something new. I would say things like, I'm bored with my clothes or I had a bad day at work or I deserve something new. And then I would go and and take care of that on a weekly basis. And when you pared down to 33 items initially, I believe you kind of tucked the remaining items away, right? You didn't immediately discard them, right? It was more of just a test to see how comfortable you'd be. Correct. I mean, remember this whole process for me was about eliminating stress. So the last thing I wanted to do was cause myself more stress by getting rid of everything and then (laughs) figuring out that I had to buy everything back. So instead I just got everything else out of sight. So in my closet, you know, on that first day were probably, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, 20 hangers with items, few pair of shoes, Uh, a handbag, a pair of sunglasses, uh, a winter coat. I can't remember the exact items right off the top of my head, but there weren't a lot of pieces left. And I thought, oh my gosh, is this going to be enough? Will people notice uh, that I'm only wearing these few items because I was working um, full time and my work clothes didn't necessarily line up with the clothes I would wear outside of work. And so it was a little scary, but it was also fun because it was an experiment. I knew it was three months. I knew my stuff was somewhere, but, you know, not far away if there was an emergency situation. I guess I was just looking forward to seeing uh, what would come of it. This truly sounds super transformational. I've always wanted to explore the idea of a capsule wardrobe. I've been really curious and Of course, I'm open to unconventional personal growth techniques and being a person who loves Kunmari, but I haven't really landed on a good place when it comes to capsule wardrobes because of how I feel about clothing. I am probably in the camp of someone who definitely knows what clothing sparks joy for me. I think I've known even prior to Kunmari and then after understanding this whole concept of sparking joy, that was definitely enhanced by the process. So my closet is itself has quite a range in it. Uh, There's one side that has distressed jeans and sweatshirts and things like that. And then on the other side, there might be more classic fitted corporate dresses or skirts and bohemian style sweaters and things like that. Lots of color, lots of patterns and prints. And from what I've seen, at least on Instagram and, and other resources, the capsule wardrobes, they intentionally are 
kind of neutral in terms of palette uh, so that the 33 items can kind of be put to the test and mixed and matched very well into many different combinations and styles. And I really feel like my range in my closet, it reflects the many sides of my personality. And I am having trouble reconciling that with kind of the structure of uh, the capsule. And so I'd love uh, for you to share any suggestions you have for someone like me who's trying to figure this all out. Well, first and foremost, a a challenge or experiment would be great for you because you're wrestling with this and asking these questions. Put it to the test and see for yourself instead of assuming that it's going to be too restrictive or too neutral or or those things because you don't really know until you try it. Very true. Um, So that I would say first and foremost But interestingly enough, now my current capsule collection and my seasonal collections are generally pretty neutral in color only because that's my personal preference. Even when I had all the colors and patterns, I always gravitated towards more neutral colors. So that's that works for me. That's not best for everyone. Um, Certainly my first Uh, capsule and probably for the first year wasn't like that because I, again, had so many different options I was trying to work through. I found it kind of fun to break some of the rules where I used to always think this has to match with this or this definitely doesn't go with this. When in reality, I was the only one putting that on myself. I could really put anything together that I wanted to put together. And there are really great examples out there on Pinterest, on Instagram, and in other social formats, demonstrating that capsule wardrobes and small collections can be very colorful and represent different styles. So I think that's very interesting. I love that advice. And I love that you said break the rules. I love to break rules. So (laughs) that really resonated with me. And yeah, mixing, matching patterns and things that I wouldn't normally wear. I already tend to do that a little bit just post Kanmari tidying because I've just almost like rediscovered clothes that I've either forgotten about or I just see them in a different light now that all of the other unimportant clothes are, are gone. Love that. I will definitely take your advice and give myself some homework. Yeah. And it's just interesting to really notice what you are actually wearing, not what you want to wear, not what you think you'd like to wear, but what you are actually wearing. Now, you and I don't know each other. I don't know what you wear on a day-to-day basis, but I would almost bet money on the fact that if you and I spent 30 days together, you would still only be wearing uh, definitely less than half of the clothes in your closet, probably way less than that. I think there are a lot of people that are already practicing Project 333 without even knowing it. The only difference is they have to sort through all of their other options before they get to those same items that they're going to wear anyway. That's so true. That statistic comes to mind that we wear 20% of our clothes 80% of the time. I share that a lot because it really rings true when people really think about it. They're like, yeah, that's that's kind of the hard truth there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yet we feel like we need to have many options, but really paring it down can be the number one best option. For me, as as uh, Kanmarid, as I would like to think my wardrobe is, the reality is is that I have a set of clothes that I wear in doing my con- my consulting work. They're basically similar and and functional, um, and I like them and and use them pretty much. of the time, if not more, I'm wearing these clothes. So that's maybe 50% of my wardrobe. The other 50%, 
I'm probably wearing 10 to 20% of the times. Even when I feel like I've really pared down my wardrobe to the, to the things that I really love and need, it's still very lopsided. But I'm wondering, how did you decide on the number 33? How did you decide that that was the magic number? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked that because of course, it's not a magic number. It's the number that I came up with based on, you know, really looking at what I might need for three months, what I typically wore to work, what I wore outside of work, taking into consideration how I might dress my work wardrobe down about 10% and my outside of work wardrobe up about 10% so that maybe I could have a little more crossover and thinking about upcoming events, you know, did I need anything special, taking weather into consideration. I think the number I came up with was probably in the 40s. I can't remember exactly, but I just remember really wanting to challenge myself and and thinking, you know, maybe I only need one pair of jeans. Why do I need two? Mm-hmm. Um, same with a black skirt or black pair of pants. I used to have multiples of all of those things. What if one were enough? The number I landed on because I knew it was three months, I, w- I thought 33 would be really fun. Just to, to, again, make it something that is approachable and that I can be curious about and excited about. So there was, there was no magic to that number. And for many people, you know, 35 is their number or 39 mm-hmm. is their number uh, or 42. If you have currently 300 items, I think any of those other numbers are going to work just fine. I have two questions about circumstances that occur to me that would would be maybe a challenge. So the first one would be laundry. What if the pair of jeans that you've decided to keep are dirty and you need or want to wear those one day? What if you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden for a change of plans or whatever reason, or I don't know, maybe you just didn't get to laundry that week. How do you keep up with, do you just like make sure that you've got everything fresh and clean and ready to go? Is that I mean, of- to be honest, I mean, I've been doing this now for eight years. Laundry has been a non-issue, but it is a frequent concern. I get asked about laundry more than you would think, but it's it's not an issue because Again, we are still wearing our favorite things all the time and Mm -hmm. we wash those items when they need to be washed. An interesting thing about jeans, uh, and I don't know the science behind this. I'm trying to remember who I heard this from. I think I heard it from Brooke from the Slow Your Home podcast. And she uh, puts her jeans in the freezer to wash them. Hmm. Now, I don't think this is like you spill something on them, but if you just want to freshen them up, you put them in the freezer for a bit. I, again, I don't know the science behind that, but I always think that's so interesting. But yeah, so I live with my husband and we just do our laundry as needed. I'm not that particular about, you know, lights and darks and all this business. I just wash the clothes when it needs to be washed, mostly in cold water, line dry as many things as possible, because when you're wearing things more frequently, you want to give it all the life you can. And I think the dryer just beats our clothes up. Oh, I so agree with that. You remind me of something I heard. There's a running joke with Anderson Cooper, the newscaster. Apparently, he never washes his jeans because he at some point heard that that it was not necessary and his staff will give him a hard time about it. But there's (laughs) actually a thing about like that jeans just don't need to be washed nearly as much as we wash them. So I think that that's really super interesting. But the second circumstance I have to ask you about is what if you have like a wedding or a really special event that comes up maybe a few times a year? Do you have a special outfit just for that kind of an occasion? 
Generally speaking, I include one uh, dress that I could wear to almost anything. That works for me. Now, if there were an occasion where you needed something super fancy that you didn't anticipate, or I I don't know what that circumstance would be, but let's say that you have to get a ball gown for one reason or another, this isn't a project in suffering. I would recommend doing that. Um, Likewise, let's say the weather changes significantly and you didn't include a winter hat in your spring wardrobe, dig it out and wear it that day that you need it. Uh, This is supposed to be helpful. And again, adding value and helping you to learn about your relationship with clothing and, and shopping and what might matter more to you. So I always say, don't make this a, a suffering thing. I like how you said this isn't a project in suffering. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say, that's great. Not, yeah, it's not about deprivation, right? <laughs> it's it's about understanding what works for your particular lifestyle. We um, get a sense that there's some intimidation around minimalism and Kanmari tidying and letting things go and living with less or even uh, pinching pennies and frugality. There's this misconception that it's all about suffering and sacrifice, but it's really about enhancing and growing, which mm-hmm. sometimes requires a little bit of being uncomfortable, but only until you find the sweet spot for, for you and your situation. I have one more scenario to run by you, Courtney. Sure. <laughs> we often chat about what we call here at SparkJoy goal clothes, clothing that may be too big or too small. And uh, we often have clients who are kind of wrestling with what sparks joy for them in the present and what could spark joy for them if they lost that weight. Did you run across that issue at all when you were originally implementing Project 333? I definitely did. And I know I've heard from many, many people who have similar issues where they're used to having a few sizes in their closet. It's so interesting. I mean, I have to say in the history of my life, a smaller size has never gotten me to where I want to be. Clothing that doesn't fit me doesn't make me inspired to change. It just depresses me. For starters, like it really weighs me down. And it definitely did in the in, before this process. I didn't realize how much guilt I had when I would open my closet and see the small jeans that didn't fit me or clothes with tags still on or things that I paid way too much for. All of that guilt just hit me like a ton of bricks every single day. But because I was so used to it, it felt normal. But when it was gone, I could not believe the lightness that I experienced. So I always suggest that within the the three months, within these 33 items, choose the clothes that fit you today, that fit your body today, that fit your lifestyle today. Should that change, make accommodations. Within three months time, I think most clothes will stand the test of you gaining or losing five pounds. And if it's more than that, and you need to make adjustments, then do it. That's great advice. And you've really taken this these tips on the road. You've built a virtual community of people who have completed your capsule wardrobe micro course and are deep into the minimalist lifestyle. You've also uh, done tours of your Project 333. Could you share some of the stories that you have about how this challenge has impacted their lives? Yeah, I think you're talking about the Tiny Wardrobe Tour, which is so much fun for me to visit different cities. And as much as I love connecting with people online, 
I mean, getting in front of someone or next to someone and actually sharing stories is so, it's just great. I don't even know what to say about it. I love it so much. Yeah, there's something magical that happens in person, right? We still haven't lost that. There's nothing that can replace that. I completely agree. Uh, So many of the stories are similar, like my mornings got so much easier after doing Project 333. Or, you know, when we talk about just now having the different sizes, um, some people like me have experienced um, less in terms of weight fluctuation, because when you eliminate stress, um, which I think is a huge contributor to weight fluctuation, you have less of it. That's not in every case, but in many cases. I've also had people talk to me about the fact that dressing with less has helped them reduce so much stress that they have recovered from depression or anxiety conditions, which just floored me. You know, that was definitely not something I had anticipated in the beginning, but it's amazing how much stress you can remove from your life just by having fewer items in your closet. Your overall philosophy of minimalism incorporates seven different steps. And so I want to just kind of walk through these a little bit and have you tell us a little bit more about them. Of course, the first one is dress with less. The other ones are write it down, discard the duplicates, declare a clutter-free zone, travel lightly, eat similar meals, and have an emergency fund. These sound very practical and something that just about anyone could get started with, but I'd love to hear kind of how you came to these and a little bit about how somebody would get started with this idea. Yeah, these are just some steps that I put together in a blog post because they're, you know, really important steps that helped me live a more simple life. I think you can incorporate them anytime in any order. And I probably have many more steps as well. But these are kind of some core principles that have really worked well for me. When I talk about writing it down, I mean, write down why you want to make a change, why you want to simplify your life. Because when we talk about um, making big changes that sometimes take many years, like paying down debt, for instance, uh, it took us, I think, three years at least to get rid of all of our debt. We needed to have a good why. Uh, Otherwise, when things got difficult, it would be easy to let it go and just do our, our regular thing. But because, you know, we had such a compelling reason to change, you know, my health, first Mm -hmm. and foremost, and then realizing that it wasn't just my health, but it was the health of our whole family. It was our relationships. You know, we were starting to see how complicating our lives and making our lives very stressful was impacting us. So that was a, a huge reason for us to simplify. And knowing that it gave us leverage when things did get tough or difficult and then discard the duplicates. Uh, that's, I mean, kind of obvious, but what I mean by that is like, if you have two sets of measuring cups and, or measuring spoons or 10 wooden spoons or 18 wire whisks, whatever your thing is that you kind of collect more than you need, Think about what it would be like to only have one or two of those items and experiment with it, kind of like the wardrobe. Instead of getting rid of it all, just hide it for a little while and see how that changes things. I think an emergency fund was on that list. Yep. So an emergency fund. We followed uh, Dave Ramsey's total money makeover to get ourselves out of debt. It was very practical 
very, you know, step by step. We knew exactly what we had to do. And one of the first things he recommends is to save a thousand dollars. And I thought, that's crazy. Why would I save a thousand dollars when I could be paying down debt with that money? But that emergency fund relieves so much stress. So when the car breaks down or the washing machine goes or somebody has a medical issue, you're not totally back in the hole again when you need something for that emergency. You know, I used to always go to my credit cards for emergencies, but here I had this fund. And interestingly enough, once we had the emergency fund, we stopped having so many emergencies. Interesting. One of the tips declare a clutter-free zone really struck me as as being very similar to the KonMari tip of creating a KonMari power spot. Essentially a space in your home that is completely yours. You're responsible for keeping it tidy and it's meant to be infused with really special joyful items. Space to honor a collection. For example, it can be as small as a drawer that might have some memorabilia type of things in it, or it could be as large as an entire room. That's just kind of your place to retreat. Do you have a zone like that in your home? Not officially anymore because we've been doing this for so long that we actually have lots of them. But we definitely did in the beginning. For me, it was uh, our kitchen table. It kind of used to be the the catch-all for things. You know, we'd throw our keys there, the mail, the homework, all the things ended up on the kitchen table. And I remember in the very early days, clearing it off and inviting everyone in the family to keep it clutter-free. Because while I wasn't going to you know, tell my husband what he could or couldn't keep in his closet or have my daughter get rid of all her stuff in her room. I wanted one area for the family that would inspire us to declutter other areas. And I know things like this are contagious. So I thought if we have this one space that is clutter-free, perhaps it will spread to other areas in the house. I love that. Great tip. When I work with clients, a lot of times we'll talk about the kitchen table as being that area that you just described where everything gathers. And and so I'll say, you know, one thing that you might do is decide that you're only going to eat at the kitchen table and do nothing else at the kitchen table. And the looks that come over their faces like, wow, that just that just seems impossible. But I think that if you if you just designate an area that you will keep only for the purpose that is intended, it's really an amazing thing. Agreed. Well, Courtney, you are definitely a vet, as we mentioned at the top of the show, when it comes to minimalism and just living simply. Be More With Less is nearly eight years old now. So we are curious, what's next for you and your blog? Ooh, great question. But I don't know the answer to that. I love what I do so much and I don't foresee any big changes right away. I want to continue to to write like I do, to do some speaking. And I, I just really love the, the community around the blog and Project 333 and just plan to continue to engage in that and have a great life. Uh, have a great life. That's a wonderful next step. <laughs> um, so I have to ask you, what is your favorite tidying tip? I'm not sure if this really fits, but uh, one thing that I'll share, there is a wonderful um, writer and fellow minimalist named Colin Wright, 
And he shares this method called reset to zero and recommends that whatever works for you, whether it be once a day or once a week, that you reset to zero in all areas of your life. And that might mean, you know, washing and drying every single dish and putting them away, taking all your email and and getting it out of your inbox one way or the other, and just resetting for the day or the week. But it's fabulous and just a great way to, even when things kind of build up, to reset without making it a big ordeal for spring cleaning or at the beginning of the year because you're doing it on a consistent basis. Reset to zero. That's a great one. At this very moment, what sparks the most joy for you? So many things. We could just do an entire podcast on that for me. (laughs) Uh, But to uh, keep it short and sweet, I'll just say uh, it's my daughter's puppy. His name's Stanley. This past weekend, uh, my husband and I borrowed him for the day and she got a little time to herself and we went to the park and we played and we came home and had lunch and just loved having this puppy around. He's so sweet. And then we got to return him at the end of the day, which was equally amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so great. What kind of a puppy? He's a miniature golden doodle. He's really sweet. (laughs) so do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners today don't discount the tiny steps because that's what big change is it's just this combination of all the tiny steps so often i think we we hear about somebody's you know big change story and we think we can never get there but it's never just a big change it's just hundreds of tiny little steps so take one and embrace it and celebrate it. And and don't worry if it's not as grand as you might anticipate. It really matters. Perfect way to end it. Thank you so much, Courtney, for being on our show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. To connect with Courtney Carver, visit bemorewithless.com and follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're interested in Courtney's book, Soulful Simplicity, How Living with Less Can Lead to So Much More, visit this episode's show notes for a free copy of Chapter One for SparkJoy listeners. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning, tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. You can find us at SparkJoyPodcast.com and click Ask SparkJoy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. While you're there, sign up to join our SparkJoy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs. You can also join the SparkJoy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at SparkJoyPodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with KonMari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of KonMari Media Incorporated or the KonMari Consultant Community.